Hey Rodney, did you know Slack's been a part of the Ready for as long as I have? You mean like back in the Bryant Park days? You know it. Even when there were only a couple of us working out of a cafe in Midtown, Slack is where we came together to tackle the future of work. Over eight years later, we're fully decentralized across eight time zones, and we still do it all with Slack. That's right, because it's the AI-powered platform for growing your business, keeping your teams connected, and making work legitimately simpler. Now you can get up to speed on a new project with one-click summaries or find exactly what you need, when you need it, with an AI-supercharged search function. It makes your day-to-day easier and gives you the freedom to focus on what really matters, your future. Grow your business without the grind in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. I didn't focus on parental leave because I'm like, oh, I love babies and I want to talk about this all day long. Like (laughs) I focused on it because I saw it as this moment that we could harness that we have been completely overlooking in a career that has the biggest downstream impact of anything else we do except deciding what job we do. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Brave New Work, a podcast about reinventing our organizations and the search for a more adaptive and human way of working. I'm Aaron Dignan, and I'm joined by my laid out co-host, Rodney (laughs) Evans. I'm here mostly. Hi, everyone. (laughs) A little bit of back pain today. We are also joined by Dr. Amy Beacom and Sue Campbell from the Center for Parental Leave Leadership. Amy is the founder and CEO of the Center for Parental Leave Leadership, and Sue is the center's communication strategist and writer. Together, they co-authored the Parental Leave Playbook, 10 Touchpoints to Transition Smoothly, Strengthen Your Family, and Continue Growing Your Career. I certainly wish that had been out when I had my first child. Amy and Sue, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. On today's episode, we're going to talk about how to make parental leave and parental leave policies more adaptive and human. But before we unpack that, of course, we'll check in. And we have a a lovely four-way check-in today. Of course, we'll check in. We can't not check in. So our check-in question for today is going to be this fun one, which is, what is your favorite habit? And we will go Aaron, then Amy, then Sue, then me. Aaron, what's your favorite habit? Well, I it's it's not exciting, it's not flashy, but I have fallen in love with flossing in my later years. <laughs> Don't make me laugh, it hurts so bad. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to hurt you. And here's here's the part of the habit that I'm really excited about right now is I found a kind of floss, you know, the little floss picks that you get that are kind of like pre-wired that has two strands. And so the two strands thing makes all the difference in the world in terms of it's I'm so sparkly when I when I do this. I feel amazing. Ready to greet the day. That's so that is amazing. I can't even imagine a two-strand flossing. Link in the show notes, folks. (laughs) Change your life. Who goes next? Amy, you're next. I'm next? Oh, jeez. Does it have to be my own habit? (laughs) Unspecified. You can interpret this this question however your heart desires. You know, okay, I am watching my 12-year-old daughter recently, and she used to forgo showers, forgo washing, brushing, all this. This is... This comes from your flossing, made me think of this. And she is embracing it now. And she does this soul self-care habit routine that she has get, gotten into where she will shower, she will 
do her skin routine. She has a little rolly thing that she rolls on her skin. <laughs> like Some gua sha. This, this whole thing. <laughs> and I look at her and I'm like, you didn't learn this from me. <laughs> you didn't learn it. So I'm going to learn it from her. A little bit of self-care habit. Nice. Well, my favorite habit, which is probably the one that I do consistently the most, is when I wake up before everybody else, instead of like actually getting out of bed and exercising or something, I do my listening, like my input listening. That's my podcast time. That's my audiobook time. That's my I want to learn something time. And it is one of my favorite parts of the day. I absolutely love it. And if I miss it because I like my kids kept me up in the night and I'm oversleeping, right? I can definitely feel it the most. Nice. Awesome. For me, God, I have so many habits I love. <laughs> I My current favorite is still my four-day work week. I have been on a no work Wednesday schedule for over a year. It is mm-hmm. imperfect. I am not completely adherent and observant, but um, what I notice is just, I have lots of good ideas on Wednesdays. I am generally, I think Aaron will attest that I am generally like a nicer and more patient human being when I'm not working all the time. And what I've noticed especially is that when, as a result of work and the world and being at a very exciting time in our company, I need to do some stuff at night or early in the morning or on a Sunday afternoon. I have zero agita about it because I know I have this spaciousness sort of built into my week. And it just, it feels like, it feels like things aren't stretched quite so thin that they're going to break, which is a very nice feeling. So I, I encourage that habit for those who can experiment with that. And I'm sure, Rodney, that you saw you've started a trend because in the news, I think 38,000 workers across the country are trialing four-day work week right now based on a like commitment from a bunch of companies. Was that me so that started are, that? Yeah, you started. I mean, you, you were talking about it before they did it. So You're I'll welcome, give you everyone. Some I hope you're enjoying your, your four-day work week. Uh, that's great. <laughs> hey, I can't, I really can't, I can't beat that drum enough. I just, it's been a total game changer. Okay, so pivoting into today's topic, which maybe is related in some ways to the four-day work week, we're going to be talking about reimagining the OS of parental leave. And I guess we wanted to start by asking the two of you, what does the Center for Parental Leave Leadership do? Who does it help and, and how does it help? And maybe, Amy, you can start and then, and then Sue, you know, put, put some toppings on. Sure. So we are the only full-scale full service consultancy in the country to focus exclusively on parental leave. And we've been around since 2014 and we do everything from policy to practice. That can include consulting, helping companies figure out where they can improve, where they can expand, where gaps might be, where they may not be thinking of something, um, what a good policy looks like to manager training in how to manage leave, how to navigate leave, to our signature coaching program, which is an employee manager aligned program. So taking that employee and that manager through the full three-phase parental leave transition in ways that help grow their skills and deepen their relationships and and retain that employee. Yeah, all of it. And I just, one one more I'll add is my favorite right now is around assessment and screening. So we've 
were the first to bring perinatal mood and anxiety disorder screenings into the workplace. And Mm. so we do that as part of our work, as well as um, we have the first evidence-based parental leave transition assessment tool that creates a customized report for that person to identify their assets and liabilities across their transition so they can start to use their leave planning to increase their assets, decrease their liabilities, and make it work for them. That's, That's amazing. Sue, add toppings. I will I will distill, right? Yes. My favorite tagline of ours is, we help companies help parents. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So you work in communications. I love it. So so one thing just to, to get clear on from the explanation you just gave us is, can you just talk about the difference and the definition of parental leave versus parental leave leadership? Yes, that is such a great question. So we think that all parental leaves have the opportunity for leadership that and how you lead your leave individual going on leave leads their leave can help enhance their leadership skills it is my background is in executive development and uh, leadership offsites back in the 90s and when i became a parent what i discovered was we're overlooking the most important personal and professional transition in a in a parent in a person's life cycle right <laughs> and what I saw happening during that very condensed time frame was way more learning and growth than I ever saw in these offsites. And so it's this untapped experiential learning opportunity that can be used as a leadership and human development lever. So I think where I want to go from here is is just to state out loud that it's it's a bit of an open secret that parental leave in the U.S., which is where we'll focus today for our show, is is pretty much hot garbage. And that seems like the general take from, from most folks in the country, unless you work at exactly the right tech firm or something like that. But you do this work every day with a lot of different folks. How would you describe the current state of parental leave in the U.S. in general? Sue, you want to go with that one? Uh- I think hot garbage is perfectly fair. (laughs) Nailed it. But we are starting to see more awareness and a shifting towards companies who are realizing this and want to get it right. You know, we get a lot of sort of unsolicited incoming inquiries from companies because they are realizing the need because they're losing these superstar parents and they want to do something about it, but they don't know what to do. And the fact is that, you know, Amy has an evidence base. We have an evidence base from other countries. Amy's retained pilot program was piloted in Australia where they have had a you know much better parental leave policy for a long time. But what we see in the U.S. is there's actually an opportunity to make our practice better than other countries who've had leave for even longer. Right. We can innovate because we haven't had this before, but we have to have a willingness at the organizational level to lead. And that's, again, where the Center for Parental Leave Leadership comes in. We want to work with companies who want to lead on this issue because it is good for their organization, because it is good for their parents, and because it sets you up for every other major career transition in your life, right? If you have to take time off to take care of yourself or a loved one, not just a child, you know, if if your company offers sabbaticals, all of the touch points around this particular transition translate to other transitions. So we can learn from this one that almost not everyone, but lots of people experience 
and translate that into a more effective team overall. Yeah, it's really heartening to hear that you're getting that kind of engagement and energy. I guess it it does bring up the question to me as an org designer of like, how did we get here? You know, if, yeah. if, if you are seeing a willingness and an appetite and an openness to do something different, like, why hasn't that already happened? And why do we have mm. the current state that we have, do you think? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's such an important question. It starts back in 93 when we passed FMLA as an unpaid mm-hmm. uh, policy, yeah. right? That, the compromise to pass FMLA was that it would be unpaid. And we set ourselves up for failure with that decision. Um, thinking, oh, at least we'll have some something. So FMLA, for your listeners who might not know, is unpaid job protection for a roughly 56% of the population of employees. Um, but it doesn't cover everyone and it is not, you know, doesn't. <laughs> most people can't take it anyway because for the full amount of, that's offered because they can't afford it. So what that set in motion was the parental leave and the experience of it was kicked down down the path, right? We we moved it off of it being a federal policy solution onto our companies. And mm-hmm. it shouldn't be a company level issue to fix. It's it's misplaced and our companies are suffering because of it. Especially when now that we're starting to see policies at the state level and you have multi-state employers trying to navigate nine states plus DC, different policies in each of those in this country. It's just a, a nightmare. It's a quagmire. It's a nightmare. And then, you know, I, for those of you who don't know, we are the only country, the only industrialized country, the only wealthy country, but also very nearly the only country in the world that doesn't um, offer a federally mandated paid leave program. Mm -hmm. And so because we don't have a solution to look for that's uniform, we've done this piecemeal thing that's different across the country. And of course, that doesn't even get into the 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 gender bias that we have within our country around this is a women's issue. Mm-hmm. What do, what do we need guys for? Guys don't have a baby. Guys don't breastfeed. Why do we need to talk about this as parental leave? So we come out of a background of you know you go away. The, a woman gets pregnant. She doesn't really talk about it. She goes. She has a baby. You come back. You fit into that same job, um, and nobody talks about it in that same role. And so. That's where we've been, and and hopefully we're moving out of it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but hey, we're family first. As right. A right, 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 right. So that's what we. That's how we like to identify ourselves. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I am interested. When this conversation comes up at the ready and with a lot of our clients, it does tend to zero in on the policy, and frankly, it tends to zero in on the question of how many weeks. That's really what people want to talk about is just how many weeks, how many weeks. But you talk a little bit in your work about practice being important, not just the policy, but Mm -hmm. the practice mattering. So how, how does that show up and how do you reframe the conversation beyond the words on the page? Yeah. So because my background is in organizational psychology, I'm coming at it from that org perspective. I'm not a policy person. In fact, when we first found out that companies were coming to us for policy, I was like, oh, God, no. I just just can't deal the tedium, right? Like, it just felt so dreadful to me. But um, I've come to embrace that as a really wonderful entry point to the conversation. Like, how do you do this? So 
coming from that background, I was like, how do we fix this? How do, mm-hmm. how do we do this at the organizational level? I think that for me, policy was a foregone conclusion. And so I knew we'd get there eventually. And I still think we will, even though we've had a huge setback this year with the Build Back Better Act not passing. That would have been the first time that we had a, a national policy. But I knew that it would take a while and we we needed a solution in the meantime. So that solution became how do we do our practice well? And and so that what came from that was okay, first of all, we're talking about maternity leave as this black hole in a woman's life and and we don't talk about it, right? Is that what it is? No. So what is it? And so my first early research 15 years ago was on redefining the language of how we talk about this. So it's a transition. It, we weren't talking about it as a transition before then. So I said, okay, what do we know about transitions? What do we know about transition theory? What do we know about how this plays out in an organization? And transitions happen in three three parts, preparing, adhering, and a finishing and returning, right? And so those map on perfectly to the parental leave timeframe. There's a preparing for leave, there's a during leave, there's a returning from leave. And once we start to think about leave in those terms, it completely alters how we interact with it, right? Mm -hmm. If you're preparing for, if there's a time where you're preparing for something in an organization and you're looking at the entirety of that time frame, then you're also preparing for that return. You're having those conversations about the leave, you're having the conversations about the during, how do you stay in touch, and you're having the conversations about the return. And not just talking about them, you're preparing for them, you're making leave plans for them, you're creating your own path and setting that future that you're wanting to walk towards. So I think just starting with the language we use changed how we talk about it in this country. And then I spent years just seeding that language, like, nope, we got to talk about it as as this transition. We have to talk about it. We want to create a process that is so obviously normed that we it's just the way things are done. We do it this way. There's 10 touch points. We first assess and then first we announce, then we assess, then we action plan, then we do an acknowledging, you know, like there's there's these things we do and everyone does them. I think where we went into a problem in this country is we are recreating the wheel with every leave within our organizations. Mm-hmm. And it is so resource heavy and exhausting and chaotic and horrible and, and- inequitable and inequitable and so by having a very clear process that is the way that this is done around our country we remove all of that and get to focus on where that energy really needs to go during that time frame yeah and i just want to jump in and add a little bit here there it's it's also how managers right you have a policy on paper an employee thinks okay great this is what i get this is what i can use if your manager is not on board with that and mm. doesn't understand why it's important, you're still going to have a terrible leave experience regardless of what the policy is. Mm-hmm. So it's getting the manager and the employee on the same page. Yes, the organization absolutely supports this. The leadership is taking their parental leave. They're modeling it for everyone, right? You have to put that policy into practice from the highest levels of the organization to really make people feel comfortable in taking it, especially the men, actually, especially the men, they need to have those examples. 
And when men are actually empowered to be caregivers as much as women are, we'll stop subtly penalizing women and passing them over for promotions because, oh my God, they might have a child and go out on leave and, you know, have different priorities. So I'm I'm interested, you were talking about needing these these steps and the wasted energy of kind of re reinventing <laughs> parental leave every time someone has a child, which is a lot. Uh, but I'm also interested in in the fact that this experience can be wildly complex. We talk a lot about complexity on this show, different kinds of pregnancies, different kinds of children, different kinds of reactions to, you know, the postpartum experience, like different desires and goals about coming back to work. How do you kind of square the circle between those two things, the need for something more standardized and the reality that this experience is somewhat singular, or at least there are many patterns that can unfold? That's the great part. Like, <laughs> that's the greatest part about this, right? Each of these experiences are individual. And, and, and that, that human within your organization is transforming and deepening and growing and finding new parts of themselves. So what I've created through this program and what we talk about in the book is, how do, is exactly what you're hitting on, right? How do you have a standardized process when something is infinitely unique. And I, what we found is it in the same way a schedule helps you clear up for the things where you can have, like you have your four day work week, which allows you that creativity on Wednesday, right? Like that, that's what this does. It says, okay, these are the things that we all navigate through. How we do it is the personalized part. Mm -hmm. um, how we talk about it, how it's supported, what our needs are. So that, that parental leave transition assessment that I mentioned earlier, it looks at six areas that are important to transition. Your situation, yourself, your strategies, your supports, sabotages, internal and external, and suggestions, which are is your feedback loop to your organization, to other parents, to your supports at home, and, and helps you really look at those pieces that are unique to your experience and how do you build that in then into that structure. So it, that's for me, that's the fun part. It's like, okay, we've got humans here. Humans are <laughs> infinite, right? Yeah, that makes um, a lot of sense. And, you know, it's it feels very parallel to, to our own work, which we often say is about the containers, not the contents. You know, when we're doing new ways of working in organizations, sometimes we'll get into a little rough sledding where clients are like, well, why isn't this tailored to me? Or what, what, how do you know this is going to work here? And it's like, well, because there are certain containers that always work. There are certain yep. containers that, you know, that create participation or create transparency or create agency. There's not a context where that's going to fail, what you put in that container is going to be completely your own. So to yeah. your point, it's like, if I was designing a four day work week, I would not try to design for what everyone needs to do on their non work day. But mm -hmm, right. a good container is a weekday that you don't have a bunch of meetings. <laughs> and like you put in that whatever you want Love to that's that. going to serve your own yeah. purpose or need. I think that's that's very cool and definitely like tracks with with how we think mm -hmm. about this. Mm -hmm. One thing I was really curious to ask you about is something that you wrote in the book. And this is, you know, to whoever wants to answer. Uh, too many companies mistakenly categorize parental leave as a one-way benefit, when in reality it needs to be seen as a strategic opportunity not to be missed for the whole organization. I'm super excited to dig into this because I think that this is very true, not just about parental leave, but about anything that's seen as a benefit. There's such like a short-term orientation that this is just a cost or it's just a drag 
or it's just an yeah. inefficiency or it's just a pain in the ass and not a lot of longer term thinking about the upside for the system, not just the individual. So I loved seeing that there and I would just love to hear more about that from you. Well, that was one of the things that got me most excited about working with Amy to begin with, right? When we, she found out I was a writer and sat me down in a coffee shop and like had her dissertation there and was like, look, this is what I made. Like, help me, help me bring it <laughs> into the world. And that was what really got me is that she looked at it and I had just gone through, you know, uh, I think our kids were like six years old. So it still was very fresh for me that this is an opportunity. I knew how much personal growth I had gone through in the transition to becoming a mother. And if I had an employer who actually appreciated that and wanted to support me and leverage all of my newfound amazingness, I'm all for that, right? And that's the opportunity that every single company who only sees it as that, oh, this is something I have to give them because these damn millennials are so entitled, right? Like, if that's your attitude, you're going to miss the plot completely. Mm -hmm. So when you are an acknowledging an employee's humanity, acknowledging that even when things go well, this is an extremely challenging time in someone's personal life, even if there's no problems, right? still extremely challenging, but they're going to come out the other side, a stronger person, especially if they have support, right? Especially if they get that little boost and they know their employer has their back and they know that they're valued. Yeah. So Amy in the book, it came up with the language of the mother of all experiential learning opportunities, right? Yes. And when we try to close the door on it, because it involves like, body things and you know or it involves uncomfortable social constructs where people are creating a family in a way that we don't normally right there's mm -hmm. all sorts of things that people are afraid of sticking their foot in their mouth around they're afraid of lawsuits right that's why a lot of this just goes un untouched and ignored as much as possible but it's actually the gold right this is like everybody bringing their own unique perspective back into the workplace and we can enable that with some very simple practices and policies. And can I add to that, Sue, that for the organization, the opportunity is, I, I didn't focus on parental leave because I'm like, oh, I love babies and I want to talk about this all day long. Like <laughs> I focused on it because I saw it as this moment that we could harness that we have been completely overlooking in a career that has the biggest downstream impact of anything else we do except deciding what job we do which you actually should be considering also around your brain. Like you should choose your job based on how they do their parental leave. But what that means for the organization is if you're doing it right, you're taking this moment that most of your workforce will experience at some at a very critical part in their career trajectory and you're teaching them something. You're teaching, like we're not just doing this because it's about parental leave. We're doing it because the things that you learn during this time frame or have the opportunity to learn during this time frame, if it's supported and harnessed, affects your entire career and your home life and, and that organization's profitability and ability to retain workers and skill them up. It's about relationship development. It's about empathy and love. It's about bringing your whole self into your work. And, and that is not counter to keeping boundaries from work, right? Like it's it's just being able to 
to be authentic. And, and, and so your managers have an opportunity during this time to practice those things, to learn those family supportive supervisory behaviors so that that can happen at any moment that it's needed. And it's not just parentally where those things happen. So, so I want to, I want to put myself in the listener's shoes for a second and just be like, tell me what good looks like. So <laughs> if, if I'm, if I'm, you know, someone who has the the power or the influence to shape an approach to parental leave and parental leave leadership, what does maybe not the ideal, but an ideal story look like? When, when does someone disclose that? What's the policy? How much time and space do they have? Like what, what feels prototypical to you now that if you were legislating in Washington and you were like, this is the default, what would the default look like? Should I start I, that or you want to start too? I'll start policy and you want to do the other? Okay. okay. So policy-wise, you have to, and I'm stealing this directly from Amy and what we talked about <laughs> earlier in the week, but you have to look at the values of your company before you actually sit down to sketch out the policy, right? What is the message that you're trying to convey to people about the values of your company through your policy? When we get beyond that and, and thinking through that, there are some um, things that you need to hit because of the type of society that we live in now and the shifts that we're seeing. So number one, it absolutely has to be gender neutral and inclusive of every single imaginable way that people create families. It needs to be, it shouldn't have separate buckets of amounts of time based on how you welcome your child. Right. So, oh, birth mothers get more than dads. Right. No, it needs to be the same for every type of parent and every type of family formation. Twelve weeks is really a minimum. And in this country, we think, wow, 12 weeks. That's incredible. Right. It's Luxurious. it's not <laughs> it's not at all. You know, Amy and I, from looking around the world at different policies, have it looks to us like about six months is actually the sweet spot. Uh, if you're gone longer than that, you generally have some reentry hiccups and bumpiness, and you feel really disconnected from the organization. Six months is enough time for family formation, healing, establishing the norms, all of those wonderful things. And there are companies in the U.S. who do offer this level of benefit, and they're doing just fine, right? <laughs> they're doing great, right? They're, you know, top 100, Fortune 100 companies. The other things are, Amy, policy-wise, anything else you can do to help defray costs. So making sure that you're maybe you're giving a childcare subsidy if you can afford it, or you're allowing flexible, you know, return to work. You don't have to come back from being completely off with your child to now you're back to your regular 50, 60 hour work weeks, which we shouldn't be doing anyway. Looking at all of those things that you can write into the policy that allow people to have that flexibility and what they need for their family when they're coming back, for example. Amy, did I miss anything policy-wise? Um, gender neutral, 12 weeks minimum, 100% pay, and consideration yes. of, of bonus structures and not penalizing through that. Um, that can often be really, really tricky to sort out, but is can can be done. There's ways to do it. Yeah. And just a note on the 100% pay, because this is usually, you know, the pushback that we're always expecting when we talk to a new client. And um, we had one client who had already thought this through and they're amazing. They're in the engineering firm and we're way out ahead of the pack in terms of 
not just parental leave, but all of the FEMLA covered events, and they call it wellness leave, right? We want you to be well. And the head of people there said, we don't really see this as a huge cost. We've already budgeted for this person's salary for the year. And we were just like, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) that's not normally what we hear. And of course, that's a sort of an oversimplification because you have to cover that person while they're out, et cetera, et cetera. But it is, I think it releases a little bit of the weight of the, of the budget discussion. And you were already planning to pay this person. You're just still paying them. And hopefully now you won't have to find a replacement and spend all of the money that you would have to do if this person decides to leave because they're not well supported. And just as for a little federal advocacy plug here, there <laughs> most people don't realize that if we had a federal level policy that was paying 100% for 12 weeks, that company wouldn't have to pay that. The policy that was within the Build Back Better Act was a tax-based policy that the company was not paying. So most people don't think of it that way. They're like, oh, then we just have a mandate on top of the pay, the uh, right. and right. it's not actually the the case. So, right. Yeah. And in the state level policies, they're often sort of a workers comp type of model where the employer pays in a little and the employee pays in a little. So it becomes much more affordable. Yeah. 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 It's interesting yeah. your point about that HR leader. The, the other thing that I don't think it's talked about enough in whether it's parental leave or any other kind of leave is like we also can look in companies at the option of just not doing as much for six months. Right. (laughs) I mean, you know, the goals that we are setting for ourselves are generally arbitrary in nature. We pick them and then we report them to Wall Street and then we meet them come hell or high water. But like, you know, I had a conversation with someone at the ready who was going out on parental leave and was wondering about a particular role that she was holding internally and was like, how are we going to fill that? And what are we going to do? And blah, 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 blah. And I was like, Nothing, dude. It's six months. You'll just pick it back up when you get here. Right. There's there. I don't feel like there's a lot of parsing of like what's urgent, what's important, what could actually like what what must be absorbed and what could kind of hang out. You know, if if you all are working with big companies the way that we are, we know that like six months is the blink of an eye in places. There are, <laughs> there are teams who can't get a meeting scheduled for six months. And yet the <laughs> idea that someone's going to be out and we're not going to like cover their work is sort of unheard of. Is that ever mm-hmm. like part of the discussion that y'all are having? Or do you hear people talking about that? We hear the parents talking about it. The companies haven't tapped into that yet. I mean, but it's interesting from the work from home thing. What happens is we, we have seen a lot of people who are hiding their pregnancies or hiding these things until the very end. Mm -hmm. And, and some people are even like giving birth and work like all invisibly because of what you're talking about. Because it, they could just say, "Oh, I'm not. I don't have anything on my calendar for three months. Can we talk then?" Right? Like there, that which I don't advocate for that in any way. But I'm just saying that it does happen. I think a little bit. What you are making me think about is one of the things that we talk to companies about is the opportunity to use it as actually a training resource within their company. So when that person is out have an internal pool of people that you want to train up in that area, have them work with that person before they're going on leave and get some skill in that area. So rather than seeing it as the time when just nothing is happening, use it, use it as this great time where you can skill up somebody. Um, 
And then if you're a larger company, when you talk about what does an ideal situation look like, those companies need to have leave navigators that aren't just talking about policy. They're, you know, there's policy is incredibly complicated to navigate when you already have everything going on around leave. So having leave navigator positions, having budgets for coaching, having budgets for manager training, having like creating budgets around leave. And that now there's companies are starting to have that, but it took five years of me hammering that point home with companies and slowly building up like, here, spend this little bit here and see how it works. And then you're going to have this because that is money that is well invested within that company. So leave navigators and also just ancillary programs that that a lot of people don't think about. There's so much more to say here. I'm trying to... <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing that keeps coming up for me hearing you talk about both sides is that this is a situation that I think because of a lot of the precedents and norms that are unhealthy is pretty fraught with anxiety on both sides. Mm-hmm. So the, the employer's anxiety is they're not going to come back or they're not going to come back strong or we're going to lose them or we're going to lose efficiency in the process. And their anxiety might be, I don't want to train a bunch of people how to do what I do before I go on leave and I come back and where's my job. Mm -hmm. And so I, I wonder how you counsel both sides through that fear and through that kind of emotional second guessing of, of do we really want to commit to this in both Mm -hmm. directions? It's such a good one. Um, also, uh, just to add to the anxiety, you throw those managers in there who sure. are terrified to say the wrong thing and get a gender discrimination or pregnancy discrimination lawsuit or just hurt their feelings. Sure. Or, you know, like even that, I mean, they just don't say anything because they're scared they'll say the wrong thing. And that's because we don't talk about this and have a standardized process. They haven't been trained or told by their organization There's no norms. There's nobody's doing this, right? Nobody's talking about it. So once it becomes the standard thing and that manager can say, congratulations, like, let's set up this meeting. I know where these tools and resources are. I know what to do. This is what the company has to offer you. This is what you can expect. This is how we'll welcome you back. We're not going to get anywhere. Right. Like that we're yeah. just gonna be flowing in that fear that you're talking about, Aaron. Yeah. It's just communication is really the key. You have to like everybody has to be willing to be a little bit vulnerable and put their cards on the table so you can have this deeper understanding of what's actually happening here. Right. And if you have that and this is part of parental leave, you know, being the catalyst for improving team communication and improving trust, like we're going to have your back. You're going to be welcomed back and you're going to cover me someday when when I have to leave the you know for a couple of months, right? And it's fostering that communication and that culture of trust and that that's practice. That's not policy. There's no policy that can make you trust that your manager is not going to train up somebody else and then fire you when you get back. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. You've started wading into something that we did want to ask you about, which is around the return. So we've talked a lot about preparing. We've talked a lot about during leave and coverage ideas. What are some of the return to work containers that you'd like to see? And what are the kinds of things you're encouraging your clients to try so that people feel like they can come back and be their best work selves when they're ready to do that. Can I, I just want to say very quickly, the, the return is important, but when you asked 
Aaron, how do we counsel these people around this fear? It's through the coaching work and those conversations. So by having that employee manager aligned coaching, you're holding their hand through all of this and talking to it in the moments when it comes up and being very skilled up in that. And that leads right into the return because mm. the return is is when the rubber hits the road, right? Like that's that's when that can either crash and burn or be wonderful. And so if that manager has also been taught like, okay, there may be, there's this wonderful thing they do in Australia called keep in touch days, which allows for 10 days, I think it's 10, but during leave that that employee is paid to, and they have longer leave, so they need more days, (laughs) but is paid to check in and And that creates that communication while they're away. But what it does right before the return is it sets up a meeting between that manager and that new parent to go over their leave plan. So one thing we didn't talk about so far is in our 10 touch points, what we're doing is we're walking you through what to do. So I I said a couple like announce, assess, action plan, acknowledge the transition to working parent. During leave, there's things like advocating and other ones going on. But when you come back, the first one on the return is acknowledge the transition to working parent. And that what we're doing at each point is we're teaching that new parent what that means from their perspective and what that means for that manager. So that new parent might be sitting with what a big deal it is to walk through those doors or hop back on Zoom or whatever it is when they return and what that means for their life and how do you set up daycare and how do you get the to work on time and how do you have whatever it is, right? But that manager needs to be understanding what a big deal it is for that person to come back. They need to be at that door welcoming them with, you know, their desk needs to be cleared off, their security access needs to be working, their computer systems need to be functioning, right? Like so if you come back and you're just like, can't get through security. I can't get in my computer. My desk has crap all over it that people just put there. Like that sends a message that you're not. For sure. Right? Like that you don't matter. So that manager welcoming you back and saying, I'm at the door, a coffee in hand, you know, whatever it takes. We've got this. I'm so excited to help you ease back into this. Where do we need to revisit your leave and your return plan if anything needs adjusting? You know, those check-ins, that understanding that this time may not look like it was imagined before that person became a parent Um, and then working with them and being open to that and starting those conversations. So, Sue, do you want to say more there? Yeah, and we the return is set up in the first phase where you're preparing to go out in the first place and the action planning that you do. And we're very big on contingency plans, right? (laughs) Like very big on here's your ideal plan before you have a kid and have no idea what's going to happen to you. And now here are some possible contingencies if things don't go the way you think they're going to go. Now, can we just pull out the exact contingency plan on the other side and use that? Probably not, but just the flexibility of thinking that you get from coming up with those plans will help you right size the the new plan when you come back to work. And that, again, from the, the manager is so important in this whole process to be understanding and that nothing has gone wrong if a contingency plan needs to be deployed. It doesn't mean anything has gone wrong. It means that's just the way this goes. So I think... 
I want to jump from here to kind of a last topic. And and we mentioned this briefly before. You've talked about parental leave being a Trojan horse for all other forms of leave being updated and improved and expanded upon. What does that look like? How how do we go about that? What's needed in that area? And what is what's the future around leave in general? Oh, I think a Trojan horse makes a little bit of a negative connotation. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm just thinking of it as like some Grecian unicorn that's bringing okay. <laughs> right? Like it's, so what you've got, um, let's just think about. Well, um, I think that one of our clients, uh, the engineering firm that I mentioned before, it really is a beautiful illustration of how this works. It's not just parental leave, right? And when you think, frame it in terms of wellness leave, we all have families, we all have our own health to look after. Everyone is going to have some kind of event that takes them out of their normal schedule and something is calling to them in their personal life. And if you set up your policy so that you're inclusive of all of those events, not just parental leave, that actually builds the team even stronger because the non-parents aren't going, well, I'm never going to have kids. What's, what's in this for me? right? It becomes, no, we're all human beings. We're all going to have these things. And we can actually follow these exact same 10 touch points that Amy and I lay out in the book will map to any major transition like that. Even if it's just someone moving on to another part of the organization or going to a special project for, you know, a six months or a year or God forbid software implementations, which I've been a part of, right? It's like, (laughs) you think you're going to go back to exactly the way things were before. And that never, ever, ever happens. So it's really crafting your parental leave policy and practice in the same way that you would treat any of transition event of that magnitude. That seems like a pretty great place to draw things to a close, planning for all kinds of transitions. Amy and Sue, where can our listeners find out more about you and your amazing work? Uh, You can visit us online at cplleadership.com. And you can certainly check out the book. It's a great tool to give to your employees and a copy for their manager as well. And that's called the Parental Leads Playbook. If you want to just reach out and talk shop, you can email us info at cplleadership.com. Amazing. Thank you both so much for joining us today. This was really a lot of fun. Thank Thank you you both so much. A quick tip of the hat, as always, to Taylor Marvin for making the four of us sound good today. Brave New Work is produced by The Ready, where we help organizations around the world change the way they work and do some transitions of their own. Getting in touch with us is easy. Just email podcast at theready.com. And as for you, thanks for listening. Now go change something.